Wolverine. Wolverine. Hello! Welcome. And welcome to oh, the Examination sorry. Podcast. My name is Quentin Emler. Uh, we're going to go to Spike Kelsey's interruptions here. We're going to jump right into this week's issues. We're going to be talking about a giant issue. Some would say a planet-sized issue. We got planet-sized X-Men number one, New Mutants number 19, and X-Core number two. And joining me in talking about these books, it's Kelsey Strauss. Hey! And Dan Rainier. Uh, what I think is awesome is we found out King Jamie greets people the same way you do with "Hello." <laughs> Not that cape. Um, so we got some great books to talk this week. Um, Hellfire Gala is moving right along. We're going to talk about uh, one of the biggest, maybe the climax, to kind of built that way. Either way, regardless, is this oversized. Planet Size X-Men number one. Not a series. I don't know why we call it number one. Why can't it just be Planet Size X-Men? But you know how comics work. Comics have to have numbers. They have <laughs> to. All have numbers. Uh, so before we jump into what's going on at the Hellfire Gala, we're going to hop across town. We're going to talk in two industries. We're going to talk uh, Disney+. Plus. We're going to talk the television MCU kind of franchise. We've all watched Loki. Uh, Kelsey told us it was good last week. Dane, confirm? confirm yeah it's i'm interested in watching it it's well done the way that everything marvel makes is it's that owen wilson charm i'm just oh yeah i'm the old you got it wow wow and i think it's interesting the way that they did the first obviously spoilers we're gonna be talking about it but it's interesting the way that they did it because they almost had to take an episode to deconstruct him as a villain to make him a main character, right? Like you had to break, you had to take an episode to break him. Yeah. And And I think they did that well. Yeah, I do too. I mean, that's when you look back on it, that's really all the episode is, but I think they did it well. They introduced stuff in a way that gets you intrigued, but also drawn into the mystery of it. And I'm like, okay, I want to see where this is going. What's going on. I love the idea of high concept, sci-fi weirdness, but grounded like true detective like it's <laughs> it's kind of weird like I, anybody else get true detective season one vibes from this like weird true detective yet through like space the and time end, the yeah. end when those agents get murdered by the guy in the fire and it's all silhouette i'm like is is this true detective there's two detectives and a shrouded villain who it's you know, McConaughey it's, is it in there yeah, <laughs> it's somehow like a, a space time cop force with just spare infinity stones lying around. But it ended with a dude in a cloak with a lantern. Okay, I I loved how they treated the infinity stones in this. <laughs> but they're paperweights because they have no power in, I guess, outside of time. Basically, because they're outside of their realm. I guess I assume the Time Variance Authority sits outside of the timeline is the idea. So because it's outside of the timeline, outside of the universe, space and time controlling things don't do anything. They're just shiny rocks. Now, in no. Hickman's Avengers run, the the rule in the 616, at least the comic book universe, is that Infinity Stones only work in the world, like the timeline that they belong to, like that multiverse. Yeah. However, and this it's clearly different. So I, I agree with your nexus 
point of view because they must be like some sort of in-between hub where none of them work because yeah. clearly in-game wouldn't have worked if that Hickman rule still applied. It's also, I don't know, there's something about it that they do a good job of making a otherwise villain into a like a character that you care about or that you at least feel bad for him after this episode. Cause it's like, when you get to hear, he's like, it was just an accident that he screwed up and got picked up by the time variance authority. And he's like, you want the Avengers. They were yeah, I like with that. Like all of time. And they're like, yeah, that was supposed to happen. And he's like, really, really? I'm the bad guy here. Like this they go on. This is such a cop out where he's like, this is a cop out. Come on. That team of plucky do-gooders goes on a time heist, and that's okay with you. But I grab a rock that falls on the floor and accidentally jump somewhere else, and I'm the bad guy. Yeah, you feel bad uh, for him. It's a good show. I'm anxious to watch too. Uh, We're recording this Wednesday. Uh, However, with comics and stuff, I know for for this podcast, we'll we'll start doing the Wednesday the week after. So you'll kind of be spoiler free. So as long as you can keep up, stay within one week, uh, we won't spoil episodes for you. So uh, we, we can't wait to talk Loki number two. But let's hop across the entertainment center um, to Kelsey the mute himself uh, and then answer this question. We're going to talk about Guardians of the Galaxy, the video game. So I, I sent a few links out about this. There's a new Guardians of the Galaxy video game. It's coming from Square Enix. I believe the studio that did the Deuce X games. Uh, not games I played personally, but here's the thing. Deuce X, this uh, franchise, goes back to a time uh, where I love video games. Uh, right before DLC became like the thing, right before games as a service became a term you talked about. Uh, we're talking 2007 to 2010. There's kind of a window there of games that I really, really enjoyed. And this game promises no DLC. See if that is delivered upon. Promises no game multiplayer, no co-op, no um, multiplayer, none of that. And it's just a story. It's just um, your team. You only play as Star Lord. You have to play as five different people, and you know, learn five different move sets. And I, I think the fact that they're focusing so much on one character allows them to tell a bigger narrative. Uh, Kelsey, Guardians of the Galaxy is not going to be enough to get you this October to buy the PS4 game. I know you got a PS4 uh, burning a hole in your pocket in that basement. I I am interested. I don't trust the no DLC thing. I trust them saying no day one DLC. I can believe that. Um because games have done this before. You're right. Avengers lied that the movie costumes would be free. And then there, um, even a game well regarded like Doom Eternal lied about DLC and added it later on. So I think I think you're wise. Um well, you know, I won't pre-order. I don't pre-order any games anymore, period. Same. Um, that is due to Mass Effect Andromeda. Um but it, will I be interested as more stuff comes out, more reveals? Yeah, because the, the Deuce Ex Machina games that, that – um, um, oh, what's the company doing it? Uh, I believe it is Square, Square Enix now. I forget yeah, what the, the studio is. Montreal. Somehow, Eidos Montreal? That sounds right. Yeah. Um, those games are really cool, and they have a sci-fi twist already, so – 
you just kind of gloss and make them a little prettier because it's a more of a Marvel scenario. But as far as customization and things like that, those are really great. Multiple play styles to win. So we'll see how they yeah. can adapt that, especially if they, they turn it into like almost like a heist game. It's written by the guy that did Annihilation, Annihilation Conquest, Guards of the Galaxy, and Thanos Imperative. Oh, then I'm getting it. Yeah, like that. that's the writers. Like the, the, the guys that wrote that are writing this game. Okay, because Annihilation is one of the big stories that I wish the MCU would work towards. Like, I'm hoping... I my oh, biggest... it took so many things from it to make Endgame, which but, made Endgame great, so I'm not going to lie. My, or I'm not going to be upset. My biggest thing, though, is I am hoping Fantastic Four goes ahead and introduces Annihilus as their main guy. Mm-hmm. And he can come along and be the big, you know, big bad in one of the, and they can do Annihilation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, Dane, uh, I know those books haven't really uh, hit, haven't connected with you yet, but um, I know you like the Guardians of the Galaxy movies. And does not having Chris Pratt and that uh, kind of cinematic universe spin on the, the movie, um, sorry, on the game, does that deter you from purchasing a game like this? Um, you are absolutely right that that's the, one of the first things that I see when I look at these, right? Is that it's like, it's almost like the off-brand version, it feels like now, that you're like, I want Guardians of the Galaxy. In in a similar way the Avengers, where the Avengers game, it was kind of off-putting that they made it so close, but different. Yeah, that it's not, the people have just become so iconic in those roles it really is like power rangers at dollar general when you're <laughs> right that i get it it's it's like that meme where it's like mom i want guardians of the galaxy and she's like we have guardians of the galaxy at home and then this is but but here's the thing it looks good it looks clean like if you showed me this and guardians didn't exist in the movies already this would be I, i'd be like wow this is cool this is interesting and the other thing about avengers is that it the initial just looking at it and hearing the voices is almost a little off-putting, but I think they did a good job with that. You know, my criticisms of that game aside, they did a good job of capturing those characters and making them different, but still true versions of them. So I probably won't get this day one by any means, but I think once this goes on sale, you know, a 20, or at least we get some reviews to verify that it's a a good game. Yeah. Because everything they are saying is, is saying the right things. It's speaking to video older video game players like us, right? We're not going to give you some... Because so many games have just started with like a bogus multiplayer just slapped on. I, I hate to say it. Is is Borderlands a villain in this? Because I think Borderlands was a great game. And Borderlands 2 is a, a GOAT kind of game. Like one of the best of all times. But I think they misunderstand. Borderlands 2 is good because it's hilarious. Hey, not you- because of a game of service. You either die a hero, right? Like that's exactly what Borderlands is. It was everything. It was perfect, but and it still is great. Like the world that it's but it's just an example of like taking all the wrong lessons from a game. It's fallen into what video. The greatness of Borderlands was the fact that it was basically Diablo two with guns. Yeah, Yeah, with first person Diablo two with guns with with a great story with a cartoony. Yes, yeah, yeah. kitschy. But I do think the story's got to be first because, so, like, Destiny and Avengers and all those games, the division spawned out of this like 
colored gun system that Diablo had. And it's like, that's not the lesson to take from Borderlands 2. The lesson was be hilarious, have a compelling narrative, rich universe. Right. <laughs> it is it is a great example of good world building. Like they well, just developed a it's new. Like, it's like Fallout. You know why was Fallout Three so good? It's not because the mechanics were somehow brilliant or well done. I mean they, they were good. It was an okay shooter in that aspect. Yeah, it, it kind of looked bad. Elder Scrolls, it's but a, it was it's just a so really cool. cool story with all these little weird things. Like you find a kid in a refrigerator box later, like like just <laughs> random stuff. We're like, oh, that's that's I can fuck. Uh, Witcher, you know, the, the Witcher three. It's awesome because every side quest you go on, it, it feels special and it's enjoyable. And there's something. The story is still they take care of the story, even in that little side quest. I, I don't know how many times I'd go on a side quest that was way below my level at that time. And I'd get like one or two experience for completing it. But I enjoyed it. It was a fun story. You trying to say a video game should be enjoyable, Kelsey? How dare you? Right. It's all I, about the microtransactions. My, my, my oldest son has been getting into um, Legend of Zelda um, um, Breath of the Breath Wild. Of the Wild. And I, I'm having trouble explaining to him, you're not beating it in one sitting. This is going to take hours upon hours because he keeps wanting to just, you know, I helped him get the paraglider. So now he can at least go places. He's gone places that I, I, I don't know where they are. He's just like, yeah, I found this and this. I'm like, oh, cool. I want to go to the castle. I'm like, kid, you're not ready for the castle. You're not ready for the castle. Don't go there. I want to go to that volcano. You're not ready for that. You need to like invest time. But I want to beat this level. It's not done like that. It's not a level. I love it. I love the wonder, the awe, and like just yeah. the total lack of knowledge. Watching, I think Breath of the game. Wild is also great because it's the only game with no walls. Like you can literally do anything in that game. The like, yeah, maybe you don't have things unlocked to help you travel, but like you can literally go anywhere. There's no invisible walls. Literally any place you want to go, you can just go. It, you might die. But like it's it's oh awesome. you'll die you'll die yeah. if you don't have the right stuff you'll freeze to death in some of the spots. I would say the allure is certainly there for this Guardians game, right? Good Marvel property, and mm-hmm. you know at least since MCU and stuff with the the great creative team on it that you have the right people for the true hardcore fans of Guardians specifically, and then the promise of what made games great. Like if there truly is no microtransactions, no DLC, I may very well just buy that game to support that business model, to let people know this is what I will spend money on. (laughs) Yeah, well, let's take this moment as a transition, talking about um, a a model you want to support, talking about uh, something we're really impressed with, and that is, let's talk Hellfire Galaxy. Planet Size X-Men number one, uh, which I'm on recap duty for today. One of the biggest issues of the Hellfire Gala promoted as kind of this climax where there'll be big reveals. And that big reveal takes shape in the terraforming of Mars. Magneto leads a team, including Hope and uh, Prometheus, lots of different X-Men, and terraforms successfully the planet Mars. He takes the island of Arako, where Captain America's had concerns about the growing number of mutants that join Kokoa and how it's doubled in size, alarming uh, the rest of the nations of the world. And uh, he 
deals with the problem directly. He sends him to Mars, takes Arako through the gate, sends him to Mars, uh, a new terraform world, and declares Krakoa and Arako as the head of Sol, meaning our solar system, as the spokesperson of our solar system, the kingdom of our solar system. Uh, this book is pretty high concept. It's pretty wild. Oh, I think awesome note. There is Sword Space Station number two, which uh, Jamie Braddock uh, gave birth to. So let's talk about Planet Size X-Men number one. Did it do it for you, Kelsey? What What about this book was uh, good? Okay, I like the high concept of terraforming Mars. I think that's cool. Um, this is a total Magneto move. And that the balls to just basically spring it on the council days before he's going to do it saying, Hey guys, this is how we solve this problem with Arako and also flex ourselves all over earth is terraform Mars. Yeah. They, they use up the, the, all the different who created a, well, a nation in Genosha and asteroid M base. It makes sense. And I, <sighs> I like the art style that they use. It was kind of interesting to see the, the 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 fireworks, the quote unquote fireworks that they you know it, that that's cool to me. Um, I thought the fact they did it in three days is a bit lame. Um, I get I get it that they are they have high levels of power, but Omega levels. He's been recruiting them, but but the, pass, but the pass that they and and to be fair, um the the. They had been talking about Mars from the beginning. Like we knew there were going to be things on Mars. We kind of just forgot about it, I guess. And here it is. So it was a cool reveal. Issues I have so, with it. Let, let, let's let's hop in the Dane and um, Dane. So Kelsey kind of laid out like why what they did was cool. Um, tell us about how it was cool. How the storytelling was neat. Yeah, so Kelsey's right. I like the storytelling aspect of this. This isn't out of nowhere, right? That there are hints of this. Why have we been gathering? Why are Omega-level mutants so important? I mean, obviously, other than being Omega, what are we going to do with them? What is important about Mars? We're dealing with the story element. We've talked about maybe not getting to see it enough, how Arako is interacting with the rest of the world and kind of becoming a problem because they just took a war nation and slammed it onto earth. And I wish we would have seen a little bit more of that, but we did get pieces of it. And so it's very on brand for what the X-Men are right now, right? It's, it's power flexing on the rest of the world. Um, It's on brand in the idea of power synergy. That's been a big deal to the X-Men since Krakoa. How can we use our powers together to be something greater than the sum of its parts. And it's done in a way that feels very organic and on brand in the sense of like rebirth, right? That we've, we've created a planet, a whole yeah, flora, fauna, like, um, ecosystem. It, it, maybe because Pepe's back, but it feels like we got beat for beat uh, the final issues of House of X. Yeah, and I think I think Pepe was a great choice for this for numerous reasons. One, he's just killing it. He is at the point now where he's an artist that is so good to me. I would check out projects that I know nothing about because he's on them, right? But you are right, even just from the emotional tie that connecting his art and his imagery with these big, grandiose pieces, it feels in line. It sort of brings you back to that. 
Um, so yeah, to be fair, it's not really a comic. Like I, and maybe I'm just saying that to to justify the fact that I really liked it, and it wasn't like a, a real thing. I mean, it's it's just an enormous, massive set piece scaled out over like 30 pages, and that's fun. But I don't know that it's like really. I don't know. It's it's weird. It's not a comic, really. It's just a massively double sized set. It's piece. panels and word bubbles. Exactly. That's you're right. I don't know what makes a comic a comic. But it's, it's different. It's white little information sheets it's, from the X desk. This is NASA. this is different, and so it's I can get criticisms of it, and I don't think that they're wrong. But it was fun, and I like that they slapped this in the middle, and that we didn't get it at the just we didn't just wait till the end for this because it makes me interested and kind of excited to see like what's what's the rest right? How what is the gala? about or what are we unraveling what's unfolding now that we know this yeah um i i kind of had some so i'm wondering you know if um if it was enough for planet size x we're talking about a double size issue which includes a double size price tag um actually wasn't a terrible deal it's about five dollars for this book as opposed to four um not too bad but i'll say this like this was the Hellfire Gala's big climactic reveal. And it's something we were told about in Powers of X. Like very hinted, this is something that the mutant nation is going to do in this. Um, you know, that's an alternate timeline, but still that Moira's trying to avoid. We know that this close timeline where a lot of things happen similarly, we got Mars. Same way we got Araco. We knew that would happen. But I don't know if you can justify cruxing a whole event, a 22-issue event, whatever the Hellfire Gala is, around something we knew would happen. And if, if this ends up being the Hellfire Gala, I'm going to be very surprised. Uh, Kelsey, that's my big criticism. What other thoughts did you have on Planet Size X-Men? Story-wise, if you're... If you're following it and and the, the mutants are trying to make their own home, they are doing it in a very provocative way. I mean, they are almost provoking all the other nations. I mean, there's no way that the other nations respond positively to this. Oh, Im- imagine if this was the real world. Yeah. If a, a newly formed country was just like, no, Mars is ours and we have a spaceport on it now. Suck it. Yeah, and all and, and and we will represent Earth and all the all this stuff. It's like you know, with no input, no input from all these other countries, it makes me get you know, it makes me go, it's like, well, you know, the blowback from this is gonna be those nations saying, Hey, Orcus, here is money. Build whatever defensive stuff you need to now because they, they it's like they're they're going crazy over there. And this really doesn't yeah, solve the Araco so problem. Insane. Because the mutants on Araco are mutants, and there's gates on Mars, which lead to Earth, which still allows them to go wherever they damn well please. So also too, they claimed it and dropped laws all over the entire planet, but one section where they're not gonna get hurt by the people from Morocco. My I, my I, only I thing is, is I, I I was I was really impressed with the mutants from Morocco that they used to do things like the one whose power was they just know where everything is 
They know where all things are. I mean, that's kind of a unique power to use. And then the guy who just bleeds out oceanic ecosystems and then the the giant worm, basically, he just (laughs) literally all he did was eat and poop special dirt. That's it. But I was like, that's it's a cool power that they, you know, you don't think about. It's like, oh, okay, I, I like how they use that. I think yeah. it's just funny that they had the opportunity to be like, well, there's like millions of mutants. They're going to have one that do what we need them to. And it's like, what are they going to look like? And there's, I feel like there's always so much temptation to just be like, uh, just make them look like a hot human. And they're like, nah, dude, it's a big old, like double the size of a human caterpillar that breaks down into spaghetti. Like, <laughs> I appreciate that they... <laughs> They weren't like, ah, just make it a hot chick. Some people don't like spaghetti characters. From a a story purpose, though, uh, I can't help but feel for, like, Captain America or the U.S. delegation going, it's like, we're one of the first to accept you. We would have liked, I don't know, a heads up. You know, this is is not how you run international. Yeah, so this is not how you run international politics. So what about Cyclops? He doesn't even get to be a character recognized at the beginning. Exodus does, and Cyclops has more lines. Yeah. <laughs> I, it, it, so, I get why they do this. I also, this pushes me further and further away from rooting for the mutants. Of, yes. Of, so, no, maybe this? they're trying to. Maybe they're trying to do that. Set up them as, you know, like the government's going to go bad because right now they're pushing for it. They're, you know, swinging way hard. They're pushing everyone around for it. It's like eventually it's like they're going to do to you, you know, it's like you you better hope Nimrod doesn't go crazy on you because I'm going to root for Nimrod. (laughs) I hope that we see realistic consequences. I hope the fact that we're like... Yeah, realistic uh, consequences would be nice. 100 issues. We're literally into the hundreds of issues. When you go across the whole X Men line, and like I just don't feel like anything's progressed. Like I can let go of how crazy this is if we get a reveal where it's like, oh, Professor X, you know, Moira infected him with this, or oh, his whole life changed because Moira this one moment. But like it's so trickled out, go through these little motions, uh, something that should have happened in issue five of the X Men. I'm 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 to the point where it is it is I'm more interested I'm more interested to see like Dane said it's like I want to see realistic consequences for them because they are bringing down on themselves and maybe that's what Hickman was gonna get at was you can't you're not gonna be able to change this this is how it ends eventually and maybe even doing it this way they kickstarted it. You know, like like the whole Orcus stuff, the Nimrod, you know, all that stuff that the humanity does. Well, maybe instead of taking a thousand years, maybe they're going to do it in a hundred years now because of what you've just done now of putting, you know, taking Mars. Maybe humanity just goes like, oh, okay, I guess we need to step up our game because it's like they're not going to be nice to us at all. This is all power move. It is kind of interesting to think, imagine this world as one page in powers of 10 as Moira describing a life, right? Like it's almost like I can imagine this moving forward, looking back, it's like one page with Moira being like, and then we tried the absolute flex, you know what I mean? And it went the same way that we, it turned out that we, that 
we didn't do anything right. We just accelerated the process and brought well, it on ourselves. I, I liked, I don't remember what issue it was in where the humans were kind of explaining why mutants will lose. Where they're saying, where they, where they talk about, it's like, well, at our technological rate now, we can outdo mu- mutation. It's like you, when you had mutations and stuff, yeah, you, you were outdoing us. But it's like with what we can do with robotics and things like that, yeah, we, we can outpace you. We just I have, have a to build Though, as mutants can also use their brains. But um, let's go ahead and tr- change gears here. Let's talk about something new. By that, I mean new mutants, number 19. Friendships run deep in the New Mutants, but sometimes friendships are tested, like at the Hellfire Gala. Warlock is learning, thanks to Warpath, what it means to have a best friend that gets married and where that leaves him. Rain still not totally over being ditched by Danny when she needed her the most. Karma's back in the land of the living, teaching some human misogynist artist a lesson. And all the while, no one has seen Scout since she met with the Shadow King one-on-one. Laura's concerned, but she should be more worried, as the Shadow King makes some off-camera ominous threats as some of the younger mutants find Scout's body under some bramble and brush. The issue signs off with a touching letter from Gabby to Laura about the problems she's having and needing the help of a big sister. Yeah. Um, so... I thought overall a pretty solid book. Um, I enjoyed uh, the focus on Scout and X-23 as a through line, kind of taking us through the book. Um, I immediately, as I was reading, like, oh, they kill Scout. She might not get resurrected because she's a clone, just like, uh, you know, Hellions brought up. I want to see what happens. Uh, Kelsey, this issue seem exciting to you? Um. All the scout-oriented things, yes. Uh, uh, touching back on her wanting to help help her friends, like thinking, like this is wrong. What we're doing, um, even the but the conversation Shadow King's having with her is still fascinating. And then, of course, yeah, finding her corpse, and, and obviously you go, well, Shadow King was the last one with her, et cetera, et cetera. It sets up the murder mystery aspect. And from what you were saying, Quentin, the question of do they resurrect the clone? You know, because X-23 is kind of a clone of Wolverine, but Scout is a clone of X-23, correct? I mean, I think they're both. I think they're all clones of Wolverine. No, I don't know. No, not exactly, because they are women and he's a man. So they're not exact genetic copies. I guess that's true. But, I don't know. I don't know. Um my, they, they my, my real world knowledge of cloning is quite Anyways. poor. Anyways. Remember when we thought Children of the Atom was also, cloned and it was going to be good? But but also um, Rain, you know, Wolfsbane, that, uh, that, that little uh, uh, back, back and forth was good. I mean, it, it they did a really good job dealing with problems that they couldn't punch their way out of, I guess would be my statement from that. Cause I didn't care about what was going on at the gala for that. You know, the pain in the rear artist, the wardrobe. You can issues. Leave it I didn't care about what was going on at the gala. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, so I'm interested in what the new mutants have to go through after the gala is over for sure. 
Yeah, um, Dane, you recap the issue, but um, I know you're a big Scout fan. You're that Wolverine arc. Um, was that Al Ewing? I forget. I forget who the writer on that one was. Uh, uh, the all new Wolverine. Yeah, run. that that was a good uh, good run there for a little bit. Uh, yeah, you might have only read Re- X Men Red. Did you read the all new Wolverine? Yeah, I have all of all new Wolverine. It, it's a pretty good run. Do you yeah. enjoy how this uh, writer's treating Scout next twenty three and and the uh, New Mutants run? I do. Yeah, they're kind of an interesting addition as to like how they're sort of becoming like an honorary New Mutant in some ways that they're not that original core team, but they're tying that relationship that the sisterly relationship into the New Mutants. Because they have sort of a, a family connection, but through a friend kind of way. And New Mutants, better than any book since we've started this podcast, tugs the heartstrings. I mean, nothing has done it as well. I I, I always think back to that issue with Blob, uh, with Herman Glob explaining his sort of backstory and his, his family and stuff. And that one, like got me but this issue had a lot right i mean from rain clearly feeling betrayed by her friends but not willing to say it and but feeling awkward like while all the rest of them are having fun while she's dealing with this even it's it's kind of comical but warlock figuring out what it means to have a friend who not moves on but expands their life and it's like hold on yeah hold on i'm glad you brought this up okay because magneto doesn't like Richards because he's a pretender or his former daughter because she's a pretender but Warlock is a machine that's not really a mutant like he's, he's a he's techno-organic virus thing he's a mutation of techno-organic I don't know there's some way to justify it but that Franklin Richards <laughs> isn't a mutant to, to well we fair, know he's not we don't we don't know that Magneto really tolerates Warlock all that much he may bring up at every meeting now this guy should be kicked off the island <laughs> That would be too much characterization for them to include that in plain size sex. And we got. I will, I will say this before, position forward. Before I get back to how emotionally uh, heartfelt the mutants is, it the Franklin stuff does make me mad. While reading it, Magneto calling him a pretender. I know we're like now going back to planet size, whatever. There was a moment where I was like, Magneto, you know damn good and well it's just because of editors that he. And I'm like, nope, nope, he doesn't know that. This is fake. I have to like. There was a moment where I got mad because I'm like, it's just you because so know better, idiot. Eric. <laughs> right? No, it's exactly right. I was like, you know, this is just because it's it's politics. Some writer wanted. I'm like, nope, Dane, back up. This is fake. He doesn't know that. He's a piece of colored pencil. Like, because <laughs> I did get mad. I'm like, you should know better. But it's anyways, going back to we have we have Warlock, you know, discovering what it's like when his friends have more important relationships and having to balance that and be a part of, you know, that I know um, we're all losing Quentin here in uh, a few weeks when he gets married that I expect, you know, we won't talk daily anymore because you'll have your uh, what's her name? Blood. Bay, blood, 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 the blood moon. You know, we're not. That's at least I, once a month. I'm just saying, you don't call me twice a day anymore. Yeah, so that's yeah. But no, but I mean, beyond <laughs> that, there's sibling family. Like that letter. Oh, that was almost tough to get through between Gabby and Laura. Like she, it's it's real. All of it feels 
real and even down to just like the goofiness of the text message between the two mutants like that feels like a real group chat between friends i did just i did like the group chat it does a good job of emulating those young relationships in a way that feels real and that reality you know comes across and makes good stories so i I think some of the books i think this it's sad because this is pulling the heartstrings and the thought of Gabby not coming back. But it points out, like, if Gabby was a cool, maybe we'll get resurrected. Hopefully so. But if she was a clone of a human, she wouldn't. And it just makes me realize, like, this is a sci-fi book. We're no longer a family X-Men book. We're, we're a sci-fi book that I, I think some writers have struggled to find their voice That I'm glad there's some humanity here. Let's go ahead and talk about... Um, getting back to business, and that business is the X Corporation. Back to Let's business. Let's talk about X number two. Oh, uh, well, back in business. X Corps after their debut uh, comic must attend the Hellfire Gala, but business stops for no man or mutant, and they have several meetings that they must attend to, including meeting apparently with the Fenris twins who are allowed on the island, despite their very racist ideals, even though that's kind of odd with the racist ideals that are now espoused by Krakoa. <laughs> um, uh, during this, they have meetings also with, you know, Sunspot and Mastermind, and then a woman named St. John, who is a human, um, I guess detailing positions on their board that they want to have and, uh, to sort of smooth over their very sudden floating island reveal. Uh, during that, the Fenris twins kind of break off and attempt to steal secrets because x has no security system. And I don't know why. They just trusted that all mutants are nice all the time. Uh, after conflicts with both the Fenris twins, Angel back at the party having a fight with um, the boy one, whatever his name, Andreas, I think, or something like that. And then. The boy one! <laughs> and Monet wailing on the Andrea. And. Uh, then coming to show that the entire comic is basically a whole pitch from mastermind about the importance of image and branding yar yeah oh side point also the speed at which monet apparently changes in and out of her outfit because her outfit is completely different when she changes to fight and then she's back back on the island back in her outfit minus the headgear yeah change I'll say this. How excited are you guys to find out the other CXO? Uh, I'm going to say this. I agree totally with Sunspot, where he's invested a massive amount of money and wants to know what the hell they're doing with it. And then Monet's, her response to him is like, well, we already have your money. Like, that is not how you would talk to shareholders or investors of that level in any way. It's like, you are subservient to them. It's like, they can cut your funding off in a minute. It's like, you don't think he can take you to legal court and say, yeah, this is a gross mismanagement of money we are suing to take over this corporation she is not and she's a board member it's like you're not the owner of the company 
Say what you will about the great characterization of Nightcrawler in Way of X. Say what you will of the journey of Cable and the character growth he's shown. Say what you will about the camaraderie and the underdog value of Hellions. I gotta say, Cannonball and Sunspot are the smartest two mutants for getting out of Dodge as soon as the Skrakoa thing happened. They got that's just nah, man. She are right. Or, I mean, or, I or, was, I... I'll throw money at it from a distance and hope that it turns out our way. But I'm just gonna ride this out, mutants. Sunspot and Mastermind. Sunspot and Mastermind. So Sunspot and Mastermind owned this issue. They owned it. I mean, Mastermind Sunspot was his like one- Mastermind's pitch is brilliant. And Sunspot did barely. Sunspot has like one panel, but I love that it's him being like, I got money you don't even know about. Like, like what's that even mean? He did but own it, AIM. Right. And, and honestly, does, from a business yeah. perspective, his, but, but his, his, when he like tells them, like, that is legitimately how that would probably that's, be handled. That's real and business. The fact that Monet's just like, we already have your money. I'm like, no, no, no way that would be okay. Well, what, what's Krakoa going to do? Seize Sunspot's ass? They're not in a bank for, for them. It is weird that this book just, is it just so baffles me that that, that, that how X-Corp has this stuff. It, it's weird that a book that's centered around Angel and Monet, I, like, it's, it's the bottom, it's the bottom up that I care about. It's the guest people in these issues that I care yes. the most about. Oh. And then if you go the next level up, I actually care more about Jamie and Trinary than I do about Monet and Angel. I was going to say, I, think it's hilarious. I, like, I like that they revealed what's going on. I like they, 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 they show what's going on with Jamie and that he is attending the party. He's just abusing all of his clones, basically. All his <laughs> copies to do stuff. I just love that we spent the time talking about how like, oh, wow, they're really abusing Jamie's, like, power for this. Like, I even named last week's episode Exploiting the Labor of Multiple Man. But it's like, now they bring it up that they're just bullying right. him. And it's almost like they just keep him around because he can make these clones that can do the work that they need for a business. So, I mean, like, that's... Doctor, I don't know. I, I, I think that's funny. I think Trinary uh, has shown some character that I didn't know was there from like X-Men Red. And that's fun because it's a new character, but I don't know. Overall, I'm, I don't know that I get the point of the book. Business stuff. I Bad business, bad, bad business. So the other thing that I'll say about this book, and then I don't know that I have a whole lot to say about it is that if, if Kelsey says that Sunspot steals the show for me and, this book and every other one now for the gala. My favorite thing is just playing I Spy to find Drunk Nightcrawler in the back of. Seasons. Oh yes, that's that's also great because because everyone's running with that. But I like that. I like that there there had to be some kind of meeting where they're like, all right, here are our through lines, and somebody was like, Nightcrawler is hammered and overly philosophical, and so the one bit in this the background was like he's. You could see him dancing with Megan in the background of one panel, and he's just like, 
you know, he's gone. And I, it came up in New Mutants, too, that he's just like, I just love Drunk Nightcrawler in the background of all these books. Deep in his cups. Yes, deep and in his cups. And I love Way of X. Awesome book. It is. I think we get it next week, too. I think Way of X is amazing. Um, that's about all we got to say about x It's a, uh, it's awesome. Hellfire Gala is going awesome. And uh, it's an awesome time. When we have all these X Men books out there to read, um, are you all right? We begged for <laughs> lots of X Men books. Um, one's about Angel and Monet, and we, we're finally at a point where we have a book about Angel and Monet running a business. I never Poorly. thought we'd be at a point where we have a book about forty new mutants, none of them Sunspot, Cannonball. Um, you know, I, I think we've just finally reached a point. Where the Hellfire Gala is awesome because Planet Size X Men focuses on Magneto and he has character growth and shows um, how he's developed over time and, and reveals some unexpected plot hooks. And, so, and isn't, isn't some of that stuff happening during the gala? Like, when do they leave to go finish doing this? I don't know if you know. I think Quentin just activated his X gene of extreme sarcasm. That's an X. An extreme. I keep going. Um, so, and then X Factor like closed. Is X Factor over? Is there another issue? Yes, uh, I think so. One think more, maybe. Or because doesn't it lead into the trial of Magneto? Oh yeah, there's one more X Factor. Yeah. So next week is Wolverine. I think next week is Wolverine Sword and Way of X, and then the ending we have X Factor and Cable. I think Wolverine continues X-Force, whatever they, they've got going on. So maybe more Deadpool at the party? I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Wolverine That's is we, there. That's about all the time we got for this week. Uh, we'll we'll uh, wrap up Hellfire Gala in two weeks. Two weeks two left. Weeks, I think. And we'll um, be so excited to have Reign of X continue after that. Peace out, guys. Enjoy your gala. Drink a champagne. Celebrate mutant dominance. Tip your um, multiple, man. Get Yeah. Tip, tip your, multiple. your multiple, man. Tip multiple tips to multiple men. Are you telling me mutants can terraform Mars in three days, but nobody can find Scout on an island? Nope. Can't do it. Nope. All the Omega Mutants are with Magneto. Maybe that's what the trial is, that he hogged all the Omega Mutants. <laughs> all right. <laughs> The See you guys. Class A felony of hogging mutants. Gross mismanagement of resources. Hello, fellow Danger Room survivors. This is Dane thanking you for listening. I hope you enjoyed the episode. I want to invite you to join the examination community by checking us out at our website and Twitter. We'd love to hear what you think of the podcast and get your suggestions for questions of the week and Marvel 20 questions. You can find us at examination.blogspot.com and on Twitter at examination. That's E-X-A-M-E-N-A-T-I-O-N dot blogspot dot com and at examination spelled the same way. While you're at it, help us grow the community by giving us an Omega Level review wherever you listen to the podcast. See you next week.